Welcome to the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast, bringing you weekly discussions designed to help you grow your business and create the lifestyle you desire. Elevate your business with proven strategies from CPAs and business advisors. We discuss real-world challenges solved with actionable steps that get you real results, both in business and building the life you desire. brought to you by PJS and CoCPAs. We want to let you know about an opportunity for you to earn one CEU credit by viewing our on-demand webcast on dental economics called The Three Ways to Lead a Profitable Practice While Working Fewer Hours. So you can find that through Dental Economics website or by viewing our website at pjscpas.com forward slash dental dash CPA and you'll see the link to register there. It's all for free. If you cannot find it or have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us at info at pjscpas.com. I'm your host, Megan Spicer. We previously covered another one of our industries in which we focus, which is attorneys. And now we're turning our attention to the dental industry for the next few weeks. So today's topic is what dental school didn't teach you. So we are chatting with Jamie Staley today, and before we get into the topic completely, I just want to chat a little bit about your experience and history with dental practice owners before we get into everything. Hi, Megan. It's great to be here. And yeah, I love working with my dental practice owners. I've been working with them for over eight years now. And they're a really great industry to work with. One of the reasons I really enjoy working with them is because they do work in a professional environment and setting. But they don't really have a lot of that business background or knowledge because they just really don't get that side of the the teaching in school. So they really want to learn more about it. They're usually really open to understanding and wanting to understand it better. Um, but they really don't have that knowledge. So they're great to work with because they really want to learn more. They want to ask questions. They also are great because they want to find somebody who can advise them on how to handle things that they're not as familiar with. So they they have, you know, a general sense of how to run their business and what they want to do, but it's really great to be able to help them advise them from the financial perspective and give them some great advice. I know that when I brought was brought into one of the one of our clients that I've been working with for quite some time, they originally brought me in to just help out with doing some of the basic accounting because they just didn't have the time and the knowledge to do it quickly. So, you know, they would spend four or five hours a week doing some accounting, whereas, you know, they knew they could bring somebody else in who would have better knowledge, understand how to do it. It could do it a lot more quickly. So they really turned to us to kind of help them get that established and set up so that they could spend their time focusing on patients and or going home and enjoying, you know, life. This dentist worked part-time. And so, For her, she wanted to either spend that time with her kids at home or spend that time seeing patients, not doing accounting, which she wasn't trained to do. So they brought us in in that capacity, and we've been working with them ever since and have really grown with them. And today we're in more of a controller world where we're overlooking the whole business and, you know, advising on different um, aspects of that business, creating budgets and really moving into more of that business advisory role with them which is something they really value and are really getting really excited about. 
having a better sense of their financial picture and where things stand and how they can improve and move forward. And I really enjoy working with them. They're great. They have, you know, a a lot of sense of knowing that they need to know this, knowing that they're not best equipped to do this because they don't have that knowledge and experience, Um, but really understanding that they should and they need to get a handle on um, some of the financial aspects that they may have kind of put off in the past. So it's been a great experience. And I I think we have a lot to offer um, dental practice owners. Great. So just so we can give our listeners an idea of what they can expect in today's episode, can you give us just a high level overview of what we're going to discuss? Definitely. We are going to be starting with high level business setup and what you need to do if you have just started up your own dental practice or if you had purchased a dental practice and you are now going to be taking ownership of it. We are also going to talk a little bit more about practice management and how you need to set up those systems so that you can confidently run your your practice and be successful. We're going to touch on human resources as well, something that is really important in practice ownership and not discussed a lot, you know, in in various, you know, schooling. So that's going to be something we'll talk about. Um, we'll, t- we'll also talk about insurance, what insurance you need to make sure that you are protecting yourself and your practice. And then we'll kind of conclude and wrap it all up together with, you know, talking about how to be successful for the future. Perfect. All right. So you said we're start starting with business setup. So that sounds like it's all encompassing and kind of overwhelming. So let's break that down a little more. Sure. There's a lot that you need to be thinking about as you are starting your endeavor as a, a dental practice owner. So one thing I do recommend is talking with other successful dental practice owners that you may know or be connected with and get some advice from them. They will have a lot of great experience to share with you. Likely, they will have things that they wish they had not done and they can share that with you and you can help to avoid some pitfalls that, you know, and learn from others' mistakes. And I know other people I'm sure would be really, you know, grateful to to share their experience and know that you're interested. So if you can find a mentor in that area, or if you know um, of a dentist that has owned their practice practice for a while, they'll have a lot of great advice for you. And so I would definitely look out for that because that will help you along the way. So I would I would definitely work on that. We're going to talk through some of the things you're going to need to do once you purchase your practice or start it up. One of the big things you're going to do legally is choose an entity structure. Entity structure has a lot of tax consequences, so you'll have to make that decision wisely, and you'll likely want to talk to an attorney or a tax CPA to kind of work through what is best for you in your situation. They have different legal liabilities for each entity structure structure, and different tax consequences. So you'll want to talk that through, make sure you're understanding what the impacts will be so that you can make the best decision. You're also going to need several different um, items of of legal documentation. So one of the first things you'll do once you have decided your entity structure, you're going to do an EIN request. That is an employer identification number. So that's going to be essentially your taxpayer ID number. So you're going to get that set up. You're going to need that for a lot of the other steps you're going to be doing, such as banking, financials. You'll need that ID for your tax return. So that's one of the first steps that gives you a unique identifier and you'll have to have your name, you know, completely decided when you do that. So essentially all you'll need is your name, your address, and the entity structure to, to get that EIN documentation. Okay. 
So depending on the entity structure you have chosen for your practice, you will need some additional documentation. If you cho choose to be an LLC, you're going to need articles of organization. This is a document that legally establishes your practice as a business in your state. These are required for all LLCs. If you choose to become a corporation, you will need something similar to this, but they are referred to as articles of incorporation. They're typically some filing fees associated with either type of articles, so you'll definitely want to talk to your attorney and make sure you understand those implications as well. As an LLC, we highly recommend putting together an operating agreement. These are not required by all states, but it's really a good idea to create this to serve as a guideline. They establish rules for the ownership and operation of the business, and it's especially important if you have several different owners in the practice. Most states do require corporations to have company bylaws in place. These bylaws document how the corporation's shareholders, officers, and directors will oversee the organization and manage its daily operations. Bylaws also detail the company's structure and governance. So to recap, LLCs need articles of organization and ideally operating agreements put in place, while corporations need articles of incorporation and company bylaws established. You're definitely going to want to work with your attorney to get the proper paperwork in order from the very beginning. You're going to need to get a business license, likely for your city or for your state to be in operations. You'll obviously have a place um, that you'll be operating from, so you'll want to make sure that you get this off this documentation. All of this documentation is really important, and if you are choosing a different entity structure, you're going to need to have these documents in order to be able to support that legal structure. So, for instance, a limited liability um, company creates some um, additional protections for you and protection against liability. But if you just go ahead and choose that as an option, but don't get all the paperwork in line, when you get sued potentially in the future, you're not going to be granted that legal liability protection that you thought you had. So you really have to make sure that you get all your ducks in a row, you get all the paperwork done. So that's why it's really important to have an attorney. A lot of people don't want to pay that fee or it's so expensive to have an attorney but it can save you, you know, thousands of dollars, if not even more in the long run. So you want to make sure you you take these things seriously. You get everything taken care of up front so that you are set up um, for success as you go forward. OK, yeah, this kind of stuff is not things that you want to DIY. <laughs> no, not really. I know people like to save money. Um, and I've recently spoke to someone that, you know, they don't want to spend too much money and they have a certain amount set aside. And it's good to be wise with your money. You don't want to, you know, throw it around. But it's important to have people helping you with these steps, especially because they're more experienced. They've seen kind of the downsides of not having it in order. And you really don't want to have to deal with that, the negative impact of that. Yeah. Well, and like you said, just having that liability, I mean, the peace of mind of knowing that you're protected and that you know, all of your personal assets aren't going to be touched, things like that. I mean, that's worth a lot just right there. So don't try to DIY your legal setup, no. I think is the moral of the story. I agree. <laughs> all of these. So, uh, so what's next after your legal setup? So once you get that established, you're going to have to set up a bank account at a bank. And that is relatively simple. Um, you're definitely going to want to set up a business bank account and a business credit card separate from your personal so that that can be tra tracked completely separately. 
one of the things that can cause a lot of confusion, a lot of additional expense on the accounting side is commingling your personal and your business. So definitely set up a completely separate business checking account, a completely separate credit card. And, you know, if you need a savings account, just create that separately as well. You can use the same bank potentially that you're using. Um, I know a lot of people will use whatever bank they're, um, they have a loan with for the practice, the purchase of the practice. They'll, they'll use that relationship, but have separate accounts. I can't stress that enough. That, that has, we've seen a lot of clients come to us that have not done that. And, you know, you really need to make sure that you keep that separated. Well, because that's another thing that can impact your liability, right? I mean, if you're commingling your funds, that right. can really impact your Exactly. Profession. So if you start spending money from your personal side, then, you know, then, you, then you're not really operating as a limited liability company if that's not where you're spending your money from. Um, so you definitely want to keep those separate. Keep yourself protected. Okay. I'm going to test my accounting knowledge that I've picked up just from working with you guys. It's called piercing the veil, right? Yes. Nice. Ah! Look at that. <laughs> I Maybe it. I should become a CPA next. Yeah. That's, <laughs> your spare time. That's in the queue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So once you have your banking established, you're going to want to think through your financial systems and how you're going to get that set up as well. So that's different than your practice management system, which we'll go into a little bit more detail in a few minutes. But your financial system is going to organize your finances for you. So it's going to, to be able to give you financial statements. You'll want to be looking at a profit and loss statement on a regular basis and a balance sheet. And so a lot of our clients are using QuickBooks, and that's how they manage their, their financials. We can connect usually all your bank accounts directly into them, or we can download transactions. And, you know, the name of the game is trying to get everything accurate and complete on your financial statement. So you're going to include all your bank accounts, any credit cards, any loans are going to be displayed on your balance sheet, and it's all going to be tracked. And then you're also looking at all the production that came in, any expenses that are going out so you can look at your net in income. So it's really important to make sure your balance sheet is in line. That's something that a lot of dental practice owners don't really want to look at. And I always make sure we go through that because at the very least, they're going to hear me repeatedly tell them how important it is <laughs> and they can take it or leave it. But if your balance sheet's not in good order, then your profit and loss statement is not giving you accurate information. So I try to stress that. You want to make sure you're reconciling your accounts. Everything is complete. Any new loans are getting recorded because anything missing from your balance sheet could cause, you know, an issue with your profit and loss being accurate. So you definitely want to make sure you're getting accurate, complete financials to make good business decisions. So I, I highly recommend having a CPA or an advisor at least reviewing those, even if you have kind of a bookkeeper just compiling that information monthly. It's, it's essential information to have as a business owner. Yeah, well, and I think... A lot of, you know, what I've heard as far as feedback from our clients is, you know, they appreciate having someone that's just giving them the highlights and helping them understand the balance sheet so that you don't, you don't have to be an accountant. You don't have to know the whole back end of what's happening, you know, with each entry, but you do need to have a high level understanding and understand how to read those financial statements so that you know, you know, if there is a red flag on there or, you know, okay, we're doing well, you know, in this area, what did we do last quarter that, you know, 
created this. So that's the importance of working with an advisor is having someone that can show you those highlights rather than having to dig into each level, you know, deep on Google of like, how do I read this part of the balance sheet or, you know, learning QuickBooks from scratch, which takes years and years and years. So exactly. Yeah. And they, and you'd be surprised at how much you can learn, you know, the first time, you know, you walk through it, you're kind of like, all right, I, I, you know, I see my net income. That's all I care about. But as you go through it month after month, you really can start to have a better sense like, oh, okay, why is my cash balance look low? Or why is that loan amount that, you know, so that they're asking questions as well, because as the business owner, you're the one who needs to know. We as advisors and, you know, accounting, we're trying to get everything reported correctly, but you're the ones with all the intimate knowledge. So if there's something that looks wrong, you're the one who's going to need to to recognize that and help us with that. So it's really important to have a good understanding, even if it's high level of your financials. Agreed. All right. This next one. And then everybody, I was going to say, and everybody else's favorite, um, and everyone's favorite thing to discuss is taxes as well, which obviously leads from the financials. (laughs) Nobody wants to pay taxes, but you definitely want to make sure that you're talking with a tax advisor. A lot of the dental practices that I talk to make a fair amount of money and you want to make sure that you're prepared. If you do have high net income, you're going to owe taxes. So you want to make sure you're talking with them regularly. I recommend a quarterly meeting and making sure you understand what your, your, tax liability is going to be at the end of the year. You don't want to find out on April 1st that you owe a big sum of money and you don't have it and aren't expecting it. You want to know that up front. There's a lot of different things you can also do to mitigate your tax liability and you need to do that in the actual year that you are working in and not, you know, two weeks before the taxes are due. It's a little bit too late to do anything at that point. So it's really important to talk with them regularly and see what you can do to mitigate your taxes. You will have to pay taxes one way or the other, but if there are some things you can do to reduce it, that can be beneficial to you as well. So highly recommend tax planning. I'm shocked by the number of business owners that don't know that tax planning is available because it's something that everyone needs to know about, but a lot of people, they just think, you know, oh, I just, you know, send my information, all my financials to my CPA at the end of the year. And they file my taxes and they don't, they, they just have this anxiety and stress the whole year until it's tax time. And then they find out. And it's like, you can ease that anxiety and that stress by proactively managing it rather than, you know, just hoping that everything is okay and not really knowing and having it be this cloud that's just hanging over you the whole year you know, so when people learn about tax planning, it kind of opens their eyes to this whole new possibility of, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, of course I'm interested in doing that. So, um, you know, I think it's important that we bring it up quite often because I don't think, you know, as many business owners know about it as they should. Yeah. And it's also brings back to the financials. You need to have good, solid financials so that you can estimate you know, if you're six months behind on getting your financials done, it's harder to estimate what you're going to owe next year. Yeah. And then it kind of puts you behind the the eight ball. But if you can keep your financials up to date and accurate, then you can get some good estimates, you know, by the November time period. And then you know what, you know, you have the ability to make changes, make plans, um, open, you know, retirement accounts that can be, you know, reduce your taxable income. You know, there's different things you can do. So you definitely want to be thinking about it. And I think, 
one of the things as advisors we really want our clients to do is to take the time to think through these things beforehand. Like you said, there's so much stress. I don't know when I'm going to have money. Just take that away and figure it out and and see what's going to happen. And maybe it's going to be a big number that you don't want to hear, but you want to hear that number in November and not April 1st. Right. Because you can plan a lot better for how you're going to get that money. You're going to save the money. Yep. So it's really important to kind of open your eyes and just take it all in and learn as much as you can as you go. And then you start to have a sense. Well, now I know this is going to be the person I'm going to have to put away for taxes next year. And it's less of a burden and, you know, stress, as you said, and it's more of a acknowledgement and this is how it's going to be. <laughs> and I'm going to just save throughout the year. So it's not so painful at the end of the year. Exactly. Planning is never a bad thing. So uh, coming back up to number two, uh, we have practice management set up. So tell us a little bit more about that when it comes to dental practices. Yes, I'm sure most of you are familiar with the fact that you need to have some way of managing the practice, whether you were an associate previously or just in your schooling. You need to have a way that you can manage your patient care, bill your patients, collect, manage appointments, and more. So you're going to need to look at different software options that are going to work for you. Now, likely the the practice that you're purchasing, if you are purchasing a practice, will already have one set up. So you likely are going to go with that at least initially because I wouldn't recommend any major changes upon purchasing a practice because there's going to be enough change and work for you to do at that point. Um, But there's definitely different systems. There's Dentrix, Open Dental, EagleSoft, to name a few. TDO is also a common system used for endodontist practice. Um, So you're going to want to do, if you are coming upon that decision, if you're maybe starting your practice from scratch, those vendors typically will offer a demo. So you'd want to schedule a demo, ask a lot of questions, have your team there so that they can ask questions because they're going to be the ones probably working in the system more than you as the practice owner. So you want people that are asking the right questions, familiar with the process so that you can make the best choice for your practice. Like I said, if you are purchasing a practice, I would stick with whatever you have. And then in the future, after you've kind of got things um, all taken care of and you're more familiar, you might want to go through a process of changing um, that, that practice management software if you're not happy with the one they have. But it's, you know, it's really important, um, you know, to, to make sure you have a system that is helping you manage the, the the patient care, the billing, all of that stuff so that that's less of a burden. And your, like I said, your team is going to be the ones really in there the most managing it. So you want to make sure they're happy with it. They're trained. They know how to use it. And you're going to need to understand how it works as well. So even though you're the practice owner, you don't want to totally be hands off because you're going to need to get into that system. You're going to want to pull reports um, so you're going to need to understand it. So if you it is new to you, have someone train you on it to make sure that you are able to get the information out of the system that you might need. Okay, great. So in talking about training your team, that's follow that leads us into our next point of human resources. Yes, human resources is a broad umbrella, obviously. But when you purchase a practice and you're a business owner, you are responsible for the people that are also in that practice. So you are going to be responsible for hiring, firing, and managing those people. If you are purchasing a practice, there may be people that are coming with 
you know, that practice that you would be keeping on. So you're gonna have to evaluate those folks. Are they doing a good job? Are they communicating the way I want them to? So you're going to need to work with your team to create that culture that you want in your office. And that may need to change a little bit from the previous practice. So you're definitely going to want to work with those folks. It's important to have open communication with them, especially as you start. It's very important that these people trust you, that you have the best, their best interest at heart, that you have the patient's best interest at heart, and so that you can work together to, to create the best environment for your team. You're going to have to think about time tracking. How are you going to track the time of your team and how are you going to pay them? Are they going to receive benefits? There's going to be a lot of things you're going to have to think about. If you're purchasing a practice, some of that may already be determined for you. So it may be a little bit easier. If you're starting out or if you're maybe going to change some of those systems and not use necessarily how they were paid previously, then you're going to have to make decisions. Again, there's different payroll services that we would recommend you have demos for. Again, they'll ask you questions. They'll show you how it works. There's also a lot of apps that people can use to track their time when they're in the office, when they're out of the office. They can also do some geo-tracking to make sure like they can only check in when they're actually in the office. So you have some control over that. But these are all things as part of human resources that you're going to have to think about. And there's a lot more. I mean, human resources is, a you know, again, a wide net and You just need to be prepared for that being your responsibility as a dental practice owner. There's going to potentially be issues in the office that are going to be your, you know, your problems to solve and trying to make sure that everybody's getting along, the people are doing their jobs. And at the end of the day, you know, I think it's really important to lead by example. And I think that kind of brings everybody together. But this is definitely an area that's not easily taught. (laughs) And some people struggle with this. I know a dental practice owner who is not a people person and doesn't really want to get into all that. They just want to, you know, provide the service to the patient. And that's great because you want to do a good job there. But you also have to take a look at the human resources side of things when you're purchasing a practice. So then in that instance, like I, I've had to fill an HR role in the past and I despised it. It was like taking complaints and doing that is not my favorite thing. Like, Nope. It's a stressful position. So and how big of a company you are, you might have somebody in as an office manager that would maybe be a buffer between you and this team. And they would kind of be the person that's organizing and managing the team so that you're not sucked into so much. That was going to be my point is can you offload that, you know, kind of find another person to say, okay, you're going to be my go to if something that you can't handle, I'll take it. But for the most part, you know, kind of put that responsibility. Yeah. And it depends on the size of the office too. You know, if you're a real right. small office, it may come right back to you because there just isn't yeah. going to be that person. Um, I know depending what, as you get a little bit bigger, having an office manager who can kind of be the buffer that handles kind of the minor, you know, maybe more personal things that are going on, just keeping the office running smoothly. Um, And then they can just bring, you know, bigger issues or things that they just can't get resolved to you. And then you guys can work it out together. Again, it's nice to have that back and forth with somebody else who may have some ideas on how to handle it. And so you can kind of hopefully mitigate the situation and resolve it together. Yeah. Well, and I want to back up a little bit, too, because we're starting to talk about HR and, you know, some things that people might be like, well, you guys are advisors and CPAs. So I just want to kind of high level touch on, you know, 
as a business advisor, you guys are touching, you know, every part of the business as a whole. You look at the business from, you know, A to Z. And it's not just, you know, pulling the balance sheet and you go over that and you're done, you know? So that's why you, you have experience in human resources and, you know, the, the legal side, because you've worked with the attorneys and helping set these up. So you work with other um, professionals on their team to help integrate or solve issues when it comes to this stuff. So that's why you have the experience and why we're talking about these things as well. Yes. And a lot of times... Interestingly, the finance person does get stuck with the HR role. So when I moved from one position to another, and it was a very small company, there was no HR person, there was the CEO and the controller. And so we made the decisions on how to handle HR things. We set up 401ks, we manage payroll. So we definitely get involved in a lot of that over our careers. Um, so that's, I think we do have some of the experience. We also know when to pull in somebody else to help and say, Hey, that's not my area of expertise. I, I have a working knowledge of that and we know what needs to be done, but we're not the ones who are going to do it. We're going to find the right professionals to help in that area. So right, it's a very yeah. complicated area, human resources. Yeah. 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 That's why I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> So in line with having that, you know, wide variety, wide range of experience with just business in general, but, you know, you more specifically with dental, the fourth thing that we want to address is insurance. Yes. So insurance is really important. You need to make sure that you're you're protecting your practice. So you're going to be working really hard. Hopefully you become very successful. You want to make sure you're protecting the practice from all the right areas. So you're going to want to make sure you have malpractice insurance. You're going to want to have some general liability insurance and some workers comp insurance. Also, if you own the building, you, you know, you want to make sure, do you have coverage for the building? Do you have, um, you know, do you have all the coverage you need? So you should definitely, again, reach out to an insurance professional who can give you the information about what they recommend you have as a, as a dental practice owner and, make sure you go through those. Do I need that? Now, if you're renting the building, you don't have to insure the building. But if you're the owner, you might need to consider, you know, what kind of insurance do I need? Um, You know, what other equipment do I have that may need to be insured? Things that, um, again, that are going to protect your practice overall. You want to make sure that all the time and effort you're spending working really hard to create this this practice is being protected. So you want to make sure you have all the right insurance in place. All right. Now my head's spinning and I don't own a dental practice (laughs) or have to manage all this. So (laughs) what do you recommend to someone that's, you know, maybe purchasing a dental practice from someone else or getting into this if they're a little overwhelmed by everything that needs to happen? Yeah. I mean, again, it's really important to learn as much as you can about the process before you actually do it yourself reading books, talking to others who have done it, talking to mentors, as I mentioned at the beginning, there's no way that you're going to do everything perfectly. That's just reality. But you can gather as much, you know, solid information as you can and gain from experience other people have had so that you can do um, and start off on the best foot as possible. 
So, you know, reaching out to the advisors that can help you along the way, such as the attorney who can help you with the legal documentation, um, such as, you know, tax advisors can help you with tax planning. I know there's also dental consultants that help review your dental practice and how it's operating and, you know, more specific to how your patients are um, either coming into you, where are they coming from, you know, how can we improve the reappointment rates, they can get really specific onto your dental practice and help you. So there's so many resources for you. You just need to make sure that you understand what your goals are, where you're trying to go and who you need to help you get there. So before we wrap up here, is there anything else that you'd like to highlight from today's discussion? I think the main takeaway is just to do your research, ask questions, and get the right business advisors on your side so that you can make smart decisions and that your practice can start off on a successful foot so that you can can grow your practice. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jamie Staley, for sharing your industry-specific knowledge. I know, you know, dentistry and all the specialties that fall underneath that are, it's, there's a lot of information. So if any of you are listening and have questions about, you know, how to get started or, um, you know, maybe you're having an issue or you just want to make things better in your practice, feel free to reach out to us. You can have a conversation with Jamie Staley. And we also offer a free guide on our website. It's called finding the right CPA for your dental practice. And that can be found for free, like I said, at pjscpas.com forward slash dental dash CPA. So again, that's pjscpas.com forward slash dental dash CPA. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out and feel free to also share this with your community if you have anyone that could benefit. Thank you so much for joining us. Keep that momentum going and we will see you next week. This has been another episode of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe, rate, and review. Gain access to additional free resources and learning opportunities by visiting pjscpas.com forward slash podcast.